Hi, I'm Peter Anthony. And I'm Steve Angel. You're listening to Men With Spirit. Join us as we explore what it means to be a modern man and to live a spirited life. G'day and welcome to this 20th episode of Men With Spirit at Radio Karam. This is a show where we encourage men to get out of their heads and more into their hearts. And our topic this week is, wait for it, changing course in life. Hi, I'm Peter Anthony and I'm here with my co-host, Steve Angel. G'day, Steve. How are you today? Good, Peter. I'm good. How am I feeling? I am feeling feeling pretty accomplished at the moment. I'm doing some renovations at home. I'm not a very handy person, but um, it's challenging, but it's fun to see the finished product. And I'm doing it with my wife and we're using IKEA. So you can, (laughs) throwing a lot into the mix there, but we're we're doing pretty well. But I think a good thing with IKEA, I think the instructions, they're reasonably uh, intelligible, whereas some of them, they're not. No, no, they're very good, actually. Yeah, they're good. very good. So, so yeah. have you finished now, or is it? Uh... No, you know what? I thought this whole this whole uh, project would take about two days. It's taking a week. <laughs> <laughs> but, the, but the quality of the workmanship must be incredible. Oh, outstanding! And great teamwork. Outstanding. And yes. So, look at the uh, the other benefits from working together as a couple. To do it. Good on you. How are you feeling? I'm uh, I've been busy and uh, I've had a sense of achievement and that sort of thing. It's been a different sort of week. I actually went into the city today for the I was just saying before the first time in um, about three or four years, and I was just fascinating just walking around because uh, I used to spend a lot of my life working in the city, and uh, it's just fascinating to see the things that have changed, but the things that haven't changed. But um, yeah, that that was very interesting going in there today. And then during the week, last weekend, I went to a community market, which was great fun, just catching up with a whole range of people and yes, uh, looking I at different things. Yeah, I went there too. Yeah, oh, that one. It yeah, was really yeah. good. It was good. It was good. Okay, so it's been a good week, but uh, today's topic, changing course in life, and we've got a guest with us today, mm. but uh, just put it into a bit of context that um, people that have listened to the show before will know that we like to explore and promote good, positive things going on in the world around us, stories about people making positive changes in their life and why they have chosen to do what they're doing. And uh, Steve and I hope that uh, what we share here with our guests will help uplift you and encourage you to embrace more positivity in your life and to share that uh, sense of vitality with others and um, just recognising that we can all make a difference, whether big or small. So just give it a go. So um, today we're exploring the topic of changing course in life and we've invited Tim George, who's the uh, co-owner of the uh, Private Sea Wellness Centre in Mornington, to join us. Welcome, Tim. Thanks, guys. Welcome. G'day. Great. You could, uh, Glad to have you. And and I believe Steve that you uh, you actually spend some time there um, as a practitioner. I do. I hang out with that great family, the Georges, drinking chai, 
drinking chai. And, and I best gather what, chai. They make the best chai. And I gather one of the things you've got there is you, you've got the common folk coffee and all that sort of stuff, and oh, uh, that's really good. It's very, very good. But apart it? from the coffee, yes, I am. Um, I'm very fortunate to um, at the centre, which we'll hear a bit more about. But I do use that for my counselling practice. I have a room there on Fridays and Saturdays. So yeah, good. Very good. familiar with it. So. Tim, and you own the private sea with your your wife and son, is that right? Yeah, little family business with um, my wife and son and um, many others. We sort of, even though we own the place, we're sort of co-owners with everybody else that's there as well. Good, a good sense of um, community. What I've what I've seen. Yeah, as an outsider. Yeah. So, how long have you had it now? Uh, we started it about eight years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just a little little cottage back then and then about four years ago we moved into where we are now which is quite a large factory but we've decked it out nicely inside yeah no it's it's a real credit to you i i I went there when you i think you first moved in and then i went back a couple of weeks ago and it uh, had a really nice vibe about it and the way you've done it up is just uh, amazing so congratulations thank you it's a bit of an unfinished project with like Steve's uh, Ikea stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're being modest. I think what you've achieved is no. uh, quite exceptional. Um, so what, what sort of things go on there at the centre? Uh, well, the, the core, there's almost two parts to it. So we have our relaxation side. So we have uh, flotation tanks or sensory deprivation tanks, as people also know <laughs> them. Um, infrared sauna. We have a nice salt room. Um, we've got a thing called Pandora Star Deep Trance Meditation, which is way too complicated to try and get that out today. Um, and some Normatec, some fitness stuff. And then we've got the other side, which is all our practitioners, like Steve and um, so from counselling, whether it be spiritual or holistic, and then some body workers and things like that. So how many different practitioners would you have there currently? I think it's around 13. Right. About 13. Oh, that's good. Mm. That's very good. Um, Now, I gather that you haven't always been in the wellness industry and you're paths taken uh, quite a few twists and turns along the way now can you explain how you and your family got to where you are now uh, with your uh, privacy um, set up in uh, Mornington what, yeah what um, were you doing before this uh, it is varied um, in a nutshell left school at 15 became an apprentice chef qualified as an apprentice chef joined the police force at uh, 19 because right. I missed out on all my 17 year old boyhood idiocy uh-huh. uh, joined the police force uh, stayed in there for 10 years then moved up to Queensland spent five years more up there went to disability um, worked in factories uh, was a fraud investigator for Medicare and then um, basically some left turn came along and here we are now running a wellness centre totally mm. well totally you've certainly different. made quite a few changes along the way when you look at those uh, different industries you've been in for sure and 10 years with the coppers how uh, and how did you find that and why did you get out of that particular occupation yeah um all told it was 15 so i did 10 years here five years up in queensland uh reason i got out basically burnt out so I ended up having a year off and, uh, you know, on medication and just, you know, not a very great place. Mm. But, you know, it was, as we'll probably find out later on, it was all part and parcel of getting to where I am now. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it was all meant to be. I don't know why at the time, but, yeah, here we are now. Yeah, when you've got the benefit of hindsight, things sort of mm. fit into place, don't they? For sure. Um, 
have you always been interested in sort of um, well-being in whatever form or, or is this something that's crept up on you? Uh, crept up. Never really, I mean, always tried to stay fit and, you know, as much as I could. But the the the, the physical side, a little bit, but the mental side, no, wasn't really interested. And I think that's really when I became sick at the end of the police force um, uh, employment I started thinking, you know, I've really got to look after the whole part of me, not just this physical side. Mm. Hmm. Good on you. And then what step did you take from that? What was the, what was the change? Uh, got out, left the police force, uh, went and uh, worked in disabilities, a disability employment consultant. So uh, I did that for three years, just applied for the job and got it. Um, and probably one of the most rewarding, apart from what I'm doing now, one of the most rewarding jobs I've had. Um, Finding people with disabilities in open employment, it was mm-hmm. just, you know, you just see the joy in their life when you get that. And that, that was just a realisation there's more to life than just, you know, um, being a copper, which I tried to do as uh, a, a most helpful way I could. Like, I really was that copper that you wanted to get pulled over by. Um, but And I thought that was really good. But then I realised when I got out of it, there's a whole lot more to this. Mm-hmm. Mm. With the um, the private sea, just going back to that, um, we've had the lockdown for and, and that sort of thing, and all the uh, implications of that for the last couple of years. How did you get through that period of time? As I gather, a lot of places just couldn't operate. Did that? To what extent did that all affect you? Yeah, we were basically um, logged in with uh, gyms and swimming pools. So every time we got locked down, we were just um, completely we were shut down. Uh, couldn't pivot, like I couldn't sell coffees or anything like that. So uh, we there was no income how we managed it i it still baffles me mm-hmm. <laughs> i really i think it was just good management at the time like we sat down and went okay how are we going to get through this and then uh put that into plan and it just seemed to be the right plan so we got out the other end and um started building again which we're still doing but yep here we are good on you good on you i want to i want to go back a little bit to because we're talking about changing um you know, courses in life and, you know, you've already given us a bit of an, an insight into the different jobs that you've had and careers. Are you ever conscious in those moments when you moved or you left one career and, and started another? What what goes through your mind? Um, I think, like, leaving cooking to go to a police force, it was just boredom. Like, I didn't want to do cooking. I don't want to be working... 13-hour shifts for the rest of my life. So I went, okay, that's not a life choice for me. This is what I want. And honestly, policing wasn't, oh, this is what I want to do. It was, I need something exciting. Hmm. So from um, the policing, getting out of the policing and then going to disability was really a health thing. So that was like, okay, what am I going to do here? I need to change my job for health. So that was a whole different ball game. And then from uh, disability... Go, I think from there I went to Medicare and that was uh, more of a financial. So it's gone from boredom, it's gone uh, <laughs> all different types of facets to it. There's never really been one thing to go, I'm getting out of this job and doing this because I just wanted to. It's always been a trigger. Um, and I think those triggers, in hindsight, are all learning points in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you've got a, a choice to make. And what are you going to do? Yep. You, you're feeling a dissatisfaction or something's not right. Yep. What am I going to do? And you can uh, take you can take yeah. a fork. You can take one yeah. of the two forks or yeah. three forks or whatever it is. Yeah. And, you know, you've got to learn to, you know, assess where you're at uh, and know that there's risks involved, but take those risks, evaluate those risks and go, I think this is probably 
the most riskiest, but it's where I really feel like I want to go. Okay, so there's sort of a, an inner feeling, as a sort of a trust that if I go in this direction, things will work out. Yeah, for sure. Like there's usually an easy... I don't think I've ever taken the easy path. Mm. I've always gone, mm. look, I could stay in the police force and just go and work in the office and sort of, you know, retire there after 30 years and get a good super. But I didn't want to do that. I, you know, it just it wasn't on in that radar. It was like, nah, stuff it. Let's go this way. So that's... It, what we've been talking about so far is very much to do with your career and changes in life based mm. around your career. What about other aspects of your life? If, uh, that Have you made changes in other aspects of your life that you would say would be just as profound? Um, look, I think it's all it all mixes in, but yeah, so there's the career part. There's obviously my family, so I've got two kids. I've got Tom, who's well, they're now 28 and uh, 30, and I'm a grandfather. Oh, congratulations. And yeah, so it's it, that's great. Um, so there was the family side to think about, like, you know, when we left Queensland to come back here to go to Medicare, it, they were um, just leaving her primary school to go into high school and our daughter was sort of leaving high school and trying to figure out what she wants to do. So it was like a pretty intense time for them as well. So we had to sort of take that into account. Um, so there's that part of it. And then now, any decisions I make now, it's more of a spiritual side of things. It's more of a what am I supposed to be doing? And and rather than trying to make the decision myself, I put it out there to, you know, obviously a, a lot of different things like the universe and, you know, you know I'll chat to counsellors like Steve and go, <laughs> this is what I'm thinking, you know, where, what's your thoughts? So the changes are being driven by a sense of wanting to grow. Um, oh, for sure. So it's not just financial or, or the satisfaction you get from a job. It's an inner satisfaction from you feeling as a person that you're growing. Yeah, yeah. Now it's, it's more about where do I want to be in myself in five to ten years as opposed to where do I want to be financially in five to ten years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And do you find that sort of looking at things through that sort of lens – uh, works for you and it, it uh, gives you the satisfaction you're looking for? I find it works so much better. Like before when it was where do I want to be in five or ten years? Oh, I want to own a house. I want to have this job. It's all that. It's all materialistic. Now it's like where do I want to be You know, in myself in five to ten years? Uh, it's always you're never going to go I want to be in a crappy place mm-hmm. and you know have no you know you're never going to go backwards. So Whatever you decide well, to do. Well, you can go backwards, but you're not going to set out to say, I'm going to go backwards. Yeah, that's no. absolutely right. So if you have that positive thought process, then mm. everything else will come along with it, or more than likely will come along with it. You can still make bad decisions, but um, you know, you're in that process of look after me, things will happen anyway. And you've made the decisions, whether right or wrong, good or bad, but you can learn from them if you make a decision that turns out to be not as um, fortuitous or what you were looking for. Yeah. At least you can learn from that and next time do something a bit different. Yeah, absolutely. Like um, whether it's through like the business that we've had now, we've made decisions in business where you just go, why did we even do that? Mm-hmm. Um, but we've also done that through life, through the whole time. Like um, people, well, I have. My family, when we left Queensland, uh, we sold the unit that we had up in Queensland that we were living in and used those proceeds instead of coming back to Victoria and buying a house. We said, one of our dreams, and the big thing with me, for, with me is dreams, one of our dreams was to always take the kids overseas before they left school. Mm-hmm. So we took that that base of money that we had and then went overseas for three months and took yeah, the kids that's around a big, Europe. Big yeah, cool, that's isn't cool. it? Yeah. yeah. We just yeah. said, this is what we've always wanted to do. Let's yeah. do it. Like it was like we're still 
sort of financially paying for it now. Mm. Um, and our friend, our family were just going, well, we, you're crazy. But our from that, our children are now well-travelled. Um, when they left school, Tom went down to South America and travelled around South America and experienced life and just, you know, backpacked. Uh, our daughter left hairdressing and then went to work on cruise ships, cruising the world, and then flying with BA as a cabin crew. So she's, you know, they're, they're very worldly now. And that decision to remove them from, you know, family life and then, you know, mm. when I say family life, but yeah, uh, the, to the take normal, them overseas yeah. and experience that has just blossomed like so, so much. And it sounds as if you and your wife and the kids uh, as, a, as a family unit uh, seem to make a lot of decisions about what, uh, how to move forward or what's best for you as a family unit. Would that be true? Yeah, always. Like we've... We have always incorporated the kids in our decisions um, mm-hmm. and made sure that they understood the ramifications of it as well. Um, they might not have understood it as teenagers, but, you know, they sort of had their input and, you know, we sort of respected their, their reasons. You know, we still got we, we still get the, you took me out of Queensland where I grew up in <laughs> and brought me back to Victoria, but, you know, that's, it's all part and parcel. Yeah. So what um, so what motivates you when you look at all these changes you've made, both personally as a family uh, and career and that sort of thing? Ultimately, what motivates you? You're saying, it, is it about what you were saying before? Personal growth is the thing that behind it all. Yeah, it's it's personal growth, but it's also you've got to be careful just going. I want to grow personally here because that might not be in line with where your wife wants to grow personally or your children want to grow personally. So it's the personal growth, but it's also um, I'm very extremely lucky that I've got a wife who's an explorer like me. So we both know that we 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 get very itchy feet quite quickly. So it's all about like, okay, where can we go now? What can we do now? And I think this is where it's um, come to making decisions a lot easier, but still going through a process of making those decisions, which is, you know, what happens if this stuff's up? Mm-hmm. What are our risks if this happens? And, and then sort of weighing those risks against the possible positive benefits, benefits or you know the those types of things so you know it's it's almost like buying a car you know if i buy this car what's the benefit you know it's going to cost more but it's a better car will it break down less so and you actually go through that process whenever you, you're doing it as a, a lot of the times yeah. yeah you know when it's big decisions like you know let's move state or mm. let's move country or let's move we'll do whatever um yeah we do the we go through that process so in, in where your wife in particular has a different view to you on things how do you how do you go about negotiating those uh, different viewpoints? She's and listening. coming to a, 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 a joint oh, decision. Always follow the wife. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, we like we'll sort of talk about it, and uh, if it doesn't if it doesn't work and it doesn't feel like it's the right thing or doesn't gel, like if she if she's got one viewpoint and I've got a completely different viewpoint of where we should be going, it's obviously not the right way. Because if I just go down her track. Mm. I'll be. I'll have regrets if she goes down my track. She'll have regrets, and that's what we try and avoid. You know, just which is part of that risk assessment. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I don't want to make it sound like we sit down and have a a business plan and tick off bits and points. We just talk about it, and if we get a gut feeling going, yeah, this is the right thing to do, and then doors open up. Then so um, there's a good connection and a communication yeah. between you around that, and uh, it's what feels right. So yeah. it's that intuition, that inner voice telling you what to do. Yeah. The, probably the best example of that is um, when I was working, I worked at Ingham's uh, as a security guard and Lynn was retail and she'd been retail for like 25, 30 years. 
And when we decided to do the privacy, we always had a dream, another one of those dreams, mm -hmm. that we were always going to run a business. We were always going to have a business because uh, none of my family have really business people. They're all employed. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, we did our first flotation session just like this is nine years ago. And we both went, oh, wow, what the hell is this? You know, this is pretty mm -hmm. interesting. Um we thought about putting a couple of tanks in our garage and just having family and friends come around and pay cash. And then mm. we drove past the old vets on Main Street in Mornington and saw that this was place was up for lease. This is like four or five weeks of sort of going through this process. It was really, uh, really uh, quick. Uh. So stopped, had a look inside the windows of this place. There was the, the uh, air conditioning ducts were pulled off the walls. The place mm. was trashed. It had been lived in, like squatted, mm, and it mm. was just a mess. So we... Uh, Went down, I think, the next day, but it had water in every room. And all I mm -hmm. could see was, oh, my God, this is going to work really well. You know, mm -hmm. There's water in every room. We don't have to get mm -hmm. plumbers in. Two days later, we went down and signed the lease. <laughs> <laughs> we had no idea where to get a tank from. We had no like, we had no collateral. We don't have a home, so we had no collateral. Uh, we had no idea how to run a business. This is our first business venture. Um, so this was, when I say we go through that risk assessment, we had that gut feeling this is it this felt is right it. this is it this yeah. is what we need to do yeah. Yeah. and then those doors opened up mm. you know nothing stopped us like you know we we found tanks we found we found a great bank manager all these things just happened and that's one of those this is supposed to be here oh, and so. now you know everyone says this place is just you know it's it's a little solemn, quiet place that people can come to, which is mm. what we're after. Not solemn. Solemn is the wrong word. No, no, no. Serene. 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 That's a good one. The um, what, what I get when I go there, there's a good sense of community. Like how you've said you wanted to create a, a business, um, but it's more than that. You've created and you're nurturing and supporting a community of um, like-minded people or people that uh, want to make a difference. Yep. Uh, how important is, is community to you? Because obviously family is important. Uh, do you extend it to a sense of community? Yeah. Look, I come from a family of uh, five siblings and Lynn has exactly the same. We're both situated exactly the same point. So we're both the second youngest. Um, and the there's there's the family community, which is really important to us. There's the, like, the uh, practitioner community, which is super important to us. Um, but there's also there's the business community, and then there's uh, obviously the the um, customer community. Mm -hmm. So you got to work all those things through, and it's not like we try to do it; it just comes naturally. Which is one of those when the doors started opening when we first signed that lease, mm -hmm. it was almost like this is where you're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. So it, it, there was no fear. There was no like people were looking at us. My family were looking at us, going, "What the? Mm. You know, mm. are you?" You, move, you know what? You want to take the kids overseas and lower your money on you know traveling the traveling Europe. Same sort of thing. But we just knew this is where we we're supposed to Can go. Can I just interrupt and ask mm. you when when that uh, f doubt came from those people around you, your family? Did it instill any fear in you? Did you ever doubt yourself? No, never. Not in this one. There's been times when yes, I've gone. Oh, are we are we doing the right thing on this one? We just we slept peacefully. We just knew this was what we were supposed to be doing. That's fantastic. Mm. Yeah, it's a great feeling. Mm. Great feeling. And it's, and it's worked out really well. Yeah. Uh, like, I'd certainly encourage people to go and uh, check out the uh, your centre there in, in Mornington. Um, I can't think of anything comparable in this part of the world that um, does it quite so well and has got such a nice vibe to it. Yeah. We One of the things, when we moved to the big place, we... 
we wanted a place where people can come and sit quietly and whether that's just buy a cup of coffee and read a book for two hours fine you know we're not sort of going oh you need to spend so much money if you come here you can buy a coffee read a book sit there for two hours or you can come and spend five hours with us and bring four friends and have a complete retreat package mm-hmm. um you know uh, or come and see any of the practitioners and have a coffee and honestly i love a chat so i'm just happy to sit down and chat <laughs> cool he does uh, um tim Looking back on your life now, and you, you mentioned earlier that you could see these little signposts now in hindsight. If you were to look, if you look back now, describe those to us and what they actually mean for you, where you are right now. Um, where I am right now, I'm sort of, you know, I'm, I'm looking at that uh, progressing myself spiritually. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm. It's again. I go back to that analogy of opening the doors, and everything starts opening. Mm-hmm. Uh, each time I experience different parts of this spirituality, I'm discovering it's it's all there. So looking back, uh, I think going from um, the going from being an apprentice chef to joining the police force was all about excitement and sort of you know I'm, I'm bored with what I'm doing. Going from policing to the other one was about health and wellness. You know, my my, mm. my own health. So there's those things now. Those signposts, looking back, are all strengths that I have found along the the journey, um, which are now intrinsic in learning about the spirituality journey that I'm on right now. Mm-hmm. You know, and what does spirituality mean to you? I mean, it means different things to different people, and it's got. Uh, I would think it's got nothing to do with religion per se. It's, mm. it's a different sort of concept. Yeah, like um, probably about. 20 years ago, you know, Lynn's mum and dad always gone to church. My mum mm. and dad, you know, used to go to church every now and then. So we, we did the church thing and, uh, you know, and, you know, found Jesus and, and all that sort of stuff. And I must admit, like, when I sort of, I don't want to sort of get all, mm. you know, uh, religious, but when I did sort of went, okay, look, you know, come into my life, I, it was this amazing warm feeling, this mm. beautiful warm feeling. And since then, I've also had that warm feeling, but it's just about, you know, opening your heart to love and mm. rejecting fear, and it's the same thing. It's the same feeling. Um, so the spiritual side of me now isn't so much about religion. It's about um, just embracing love and rejecting fear and moving forward, and just being the best person you can be. You know, but then there's also this whole universe side of things, mm. which and this mm. energy and vibration. Mm. It's just yeah, it's pretty amazing. Well, I think that would uh, we'd, we'd concur with, with that to sort of. I think so. Yeah, I like the practicality yeah. of yeah, the spirituality yeah. that you're um, you're discovering for yourself, which is something that we do a lot as well. You know, mm. driven by the mm. spiritual values and just practicality of it all. You know, it's got to be applied here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. I think there's a good time for a bit of a segue to a song. I think that's an excellent idea, Steve. <laughs> um, and, and as regular listeners would know, uh, Tim, that we like to ask our guests for some music as a bit of a window into them as a person. Now, you've chosen a song entitled Spirit Bird by Xavier Rudd. Can you tell us a little bit about this song and why it's important to you? Uh, yeah, so I think I chose all the long songs on this one too. Well, we're going, we're going to cut it a little bit <laughs> if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, this song, Tom, my son is a very spiritual person himself but he keeps it to himself. Um, so he sees in me like this time he said, uh, I think it was just 
before COVID, he said, look, I think you need to do some breath work. So we went up to the city and we did uh, this thing called holotropic breathing. Um, and you do it's sort of like a very fast breath work and it puts you into a quite a deep trance state. Mm-hmm. Um, and towards the end, there's music that's played and towards the end, this song came up. I didn't, I'd never heard of Xavier Rudd before. Um, and as I was laying there, and if I tear up, I'm sorry, um, he, mum, it's sort of like mum came to me at that mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. and uh, it was so, so comforting. It was just a really beautiful moment. Which is why I thought this is a good song. Beautiful. Well, thank you very much for sharing. Thank no you. problem. We'll play it now. We're starting at 35 seconds in. Hi, my name's Paul Kennedy, and I'm a sport reporter for the ABC. And when I'm not listening to the ABC, I listen to Radio Caram. Tune in and enjoy. Welcome back. You're listening to Men with Spirit on Radio Caram with me, Steve Angel, and my co-host, Peter Anthony. And today, our special guest is Tim George, co-owner of the Privacy Wellness Centre in Mornington. Um, that song... Absolutely beautiful, mm. and I know it was you know has an emotional attachment to you. Um, listening to it again, do you still feel those emotions? I do, yeah. I think you know while that was running, I was sort of having a bit of a tear, and I thought I need to make sure that everyone knows. Uh, like my mum passed away about four years ago, so when I said mm. you know she came to me, it was like you know she was there spiritually with me. Yeah, mm. it's beautiful. It's it, the power of music, isn't it? it oh, it's oh. incredible. Now. Tim, we've been talking about a range of things today with you, but, you know, just as a man or as a person, let's just, what motivates you? What motivates you each day? What motivates me? Um, it's going to sound corny. Uh, my wife, mm-hmm. uh, family, uh, success, but not as in financial or anything. It's about, it goes back to that um, that spiritual growth and finding where I am in five or ten years and mm-hmm. making sure that, it, you know, I do it for me. And when I say me, I mean my, me and my family. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a is a big driver for me now. It's not about, oh, I want to have the best flight center on, you know, on the peninsula in Victoria. If that happens, it happens. You know, if it happens, it's happening. It, it's meant to happen. Um, and the, I'm not going to change uh, the way I do things or or compromise who I am to make that happen. So what drives me is just making sure that I'm on track and being me, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes absolute sense. <laughs> I sometimes wonder if it does to me. <laughs> no, go, no, you're doing well, right. man. No, no, we, we often talk about this. The, the, the driver has to be your own personal growth, doesn't mm-hmm. it? You as a person, and yep. then the impact that you have then on others is far more profound and, and more purposeful. Then, yep. so money can't drive you. Money, money's an empty vessel at the end. You know, it really is because it's you know you might have the dollars there, but if you don't have that growth, that personal growth behind it, it's it's just going to disappear. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to know why you want these things and how, and you know, yeah, it's it's an interesting little little process to go through. And when do you, those days where you feel, let's say you're stuck or you're challenged and, you know, you're not as optimistic as you are right now, what do you do? How do you get yourself out of that feeling of stuckness? Yep. Um, I 
used to basically go through it would only last for if it was going to happen it was last about two days and lynn would just stay away from me and i'd just basically let this storm pass over me now uh i recently just turned 56 and tom's given me some money to get a tattoo and he said what are you going to get and i said i'm getting a tattoo and it's writing but i'm going to try and work out a, a symbol for it but it's got i choose peace over this mm. and this can be whatever you know it can be I'm feeling like crap or I'm feeling angry or I'm feeling, you know, any of that. The, the, this is usually the fear part of it. And when I say fear, it's not like, oh, I'm scared. Um, fear can be revenge or jealousy or any of those negative emotions. Mm-hmm. So when you go, I choose peace over this, it means I choose peace over revenge. I choose peace over hatred. I choose peace over whatever it might be. Anything, whatever's, when you're feeling like crap and you're angry or you're just like in that, that negative space when you realize try and find out what it is that's causing that that negativity or Mm -hmm. that that feeling and go i choose peace over this and then to me now what's happening with that is i'm going yeah this is just a stupid way of of traveling down this little life path for one or two days so now that's sort of turning around pretty quickly it's quite a um a statement to get that tattooed on your body mm. do you have other tattoos that just out of, out of interest uh yeah i've got like a tribal one on my arm which i got when i was 30 and uh, just didn't mean anything <laughs> there's obviously going what you were just saying a lot of significance behind this particular tattoo you're going to have done yeah yeah mm. i think um it, it, it is a statement mm. um and i'm also i suppose i'm doing it uh so when people ask i can go it's, it's my way of opening up to my spirituality and my my journey at the moment as well. So when people go, oh, what does that mean? I go, oh, this is what it means. Hmm. And when you do choose peace over the negativity, does that feeling just go away or do you act differently? Uh, it goes away quicker. I've still... I've still it's not like um, a mist of peace and love comes over me and it's like, oh my God, you know, the world's so, such a beautiful place now. It's like... Whatever's triggered it is still there, but now I just go, There's, I don't need to acknowledge it. I just let it go mm-hmm. because it's not going to really change anything. As soon as I start focusing on the positive or the peace part of it, things change. Like, you know, whatever's causing that will will just disappear. Mm-hmm. I was just say disappear. Uh, They're not as important anymore. It's not as important. It's nullified and, you know, I focus more on the positive side, Mm. which then pulls me into a positive framed mind and away I go. It's really good. Mm. Yeah, because it's really important, isn't it, that we don't get lost in those thoughts. Mm. And now you've moved from, what, two days to a far more uh, faster transition. And, And I think the other point that I sort of want to raise there is that we can sometimes get lost in some sort of spirituality where we just will want this kind of love um, feeling and you know we don't want the anger but you're not really recognizing what's really going on behind there and taking a very different action so I find that what you said was really interesting in that you said oh, I choose peace so I don't want the negativity um, and I'm going to look at the positivity from here yeah. and so there's a real sort of action-based in practicality that's yeah. what I kind of I, I took from that and that's something you learn about spirituality. It's not just about, you know, it's not all fluffy, you know... Oh, Peace, love and mung beans. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's really not. It's about, okay, well, you know what, I can actually take steps, like physical steps, mental steps, you know, mm. to change the way I behave, you know. Mm. And, um, and sometimes you don't know you're taking the steps. It just happens. You know, you just things just change. You go, okay, cool, I'll go with this. <laughs> 
Who inspires you, Tim? Uh, it. You're looking at me. Do you want me to say you? No. <laughs> um, Only if you mean it. And again, I don't want to be sounding all you know um, cliche. My wife is like huge inspiration. Uh, my kids, you know, um, both of them really inspiring. Um, my mum and dad, uh, in in uh, in different ways. Like you know, everyone with my mum, she we, we've got five kids. Uh, dad was a sort of a fifties father, you know, nineteen fifties father, um, and I always thought he was the strong central point of the family and as I got older I realised that no my mum is the one she was a full time mum oh sorry she's not full she worked full time looked after six kids did everything um, and now now that she's passed you know I was sort of sitting there going wow she was actually like a real rock mm. she was really really mm. rock but then my father um, the entrepreneurial side has come from my dad because he did also worked full time um, and it was on the weekends that he pursued the things that he loved to do. Like he was, he was in the merchant navy, loved sailing, and he ended up leasing two yachts, uh, and then teaching people how to sail. So he was passing on his love um, to others, and that's a real, that's a real that that really resonated me as, as when we started opening up the center. I thought, how interesting that you know the thing that my dad has taught me wasn't really a lesson that he was trying to teach me. He just did it through being him mm-hmm. which is really important it's what you learned from him he wasn't setting out to teach you that yeah. as such but you learned from that what he did and what he achieved yeah absolutely yeah. and it, and it's probably the one of the, it's a very important one for me because it's uh not that i try and teach people i don't try and do that i just be me and if they take things from that then great yeah it's it's your example and uh, it's yeah. the most important thing isn't it? for sure mm. which is why you need to be the best person you can be and have that spirit, like my spiritual yeah. growth is making sure that I do, I follow that yeah. as best Which as I can. Which goes back to what we were saying before, yep. Steve was saying, that uh, get yourself sorted out mm-hmm. and then you're in a better position. You're in the position you need to be to help others. Yeah, because you yeah. don't know when you're going to need to do that. Mm. So what example do you uh, do you believe you're giving your children? Uh, now? Mm. now? Now I feel like I'm giving them a... a, a good example tom when he gives me a birthday card he writes these beautiful you know spiritual things about you know watching me grow you know because he sits and watching me grow um and even emily she is like with the grandkids like she's got the the two children uh she was always coming to lynn and i sort of saying well how would you do this you know how would you discipline them how would you do this and we just say look how we would do it is how we did it with you guys you know it's the same thing so um i'm learning a lot from them still um mm-hmm. i'm learning more patience and you know a lot of things from the grandkids um but i don't think i sort of sort of lost the question there <laughs> how how are you um what kind of example are you giving your children uh now I'm, yeah sorry now i'm giving them a i think i'm giving them a an example of of personal growth and um, just seeing you're never too old to do that and there's never a wrong time to do that um, whereas when 15 years ago it was totally different you know it was all about being a disciplinarian and sort of you mm-hmm. know from this, and I think that was from the police force you know that sort of just rubbed off of me from being in that environment um, now that I'm out of that it's yeah it's changed a fair bit interesting how you were saying 
in talking to your daughter that you do things in the same way. She should, she could do the things in the same way that you did when you were a parent uh, for them. But uh, I'd look back in my the parenting I did at the time with the knowledge I had. And since then, I've learned a lot about myself and about parenting and spirituality. And I'd say I'd do things very differently now to what I did then. And I hope my kids have learnt from uh, the, our experience perhaps to do things in a different way and not to, you know, in other words, they've learnt from me in certain aspects of my life to do things differently, not to do things the way I did them. Yeah. There's a, there's a discipline side of things. Like one of the things, my, my daughter and I used to clash a fair bit. Um, just not, it was just always just verbally, but she would always be, I'm doing this and I'd be saying, mm. uh, and I would say things, I would I would respond in a way that, I, I, there's no way God's earth I'd respond like that now, but I would <laughs> respond to her in a way which is really intense. And afterwards I would have to go back, and I did this many times, she listens to this, she'd just start laughing. I would go back and say, I stand by what I said, but there's no way I should have said that the way I did. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. And I'd always go back and say, I stand by what I said, should have told, said it totally, totally mm-hmm. differently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good on you. That doesn't happen anymore. Mm. <laughs> and what are, th- what are your grandchildren teaching you? Uh, patience. Um, it's a different type of love, really. it's a cr- Everyone said, oh, it's a different type of love. I'm going, how can you love kids more than... You know your grandkids more than you love your own kids, but it's a really is a really different type of love. Um, so that part, there's a different type of love, patience, and um, yeah, they're, they're the main things. Mm-hmm. Patience is the big one. So I wasn't patient with them. <laughs> well, I guess it's a different kind of role that you have with them too, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's um, yeah, you're almost a part-time carer, and you very protective like super protective of them even to the point where like you the the parents almost like you, you can't parent them like this you, you can't do that you know this is you're not doing you can't say that to them you can't do this you know to, Emily stop giving them potato chips for dinner <laughs> <laughs> now Tim I always like to ask this question you know in terms of if you were to look back at your life and to your younger self and who you are now, what kind of advice did you give yourself? What would you have said to yourself? That's a good one. Um, trust, trusting yourself a lot more is, is a big one, but you don't learn that until later on in life. You know, you can say that to someone back then, but you know, I think they'd still disregard it and go with what they feel is their right way. Um, I would still say experience life because it's the only way you can learn. Mm-hmm. You know, don't be afraid to step out of your own comfort zone um, and experience life. I, that's probably the biggest thing that I've done through our life. When, when I say we, me, I mean my wife and I, Lynn and I. Um, and it has probably been the biggest learning curve. Like, is when you put yourself out of your comfort zone, you put yourself into different experiences that you haven't experienced before. And then from there, you go on to well, what do I do here? Mm-hmm. And then you have to make decisions which are out of your out of your knowledge base, basically. Mm-hmm. And that's where you start learning. You know, if you did the same thing, you go, yeah, I know what to do here. You're not going to learn. You're not going to progress. You're not going to challenge yourself in any way. So challenge yourself um, and, and make sure that you do things with love and reject fear. Don't be fearful. 
you know, and then when I say don't be fearful, it doesn't mean uh, be reckless and, you know, run through plate glass windows because that's, you know, not what I'm Stupid. talking about. Yes. <laughs> um, it's, it's about don't, um, uh, don't follow those, you know, when I, and when I say fear, it's that whole list of things underneath mm. it that, you mm. know, revenge, vengeance, hate, you know, all those nasty Jealousy. Things. Yeah, yeah, all those things, you know. Um, just follow love, mm-hmm. you know, and that's laughter, happiness, empathy, compassion, all those things. They're the things that you need to sort of really focus on. Um, so, they're, they're, that would be the biggest things, I would say. If I could go back to my younger self, I would say that because it would be a totally different life. So, mm-hmm. getting out of your comfort zone and going on what you were saying there, implicit in that is that get out of your comfort zone but whatever you do, do it in accordance with your values. So don't be reckless or whatever, but keep coming back to get out of your comfort zone, but keep checking in on does it still um, align with your own personal values? Yeah, for sure. Um, the only thing in saying that is when you're younger, your personal values are totally... My personal values mm-hmm. when I was 20 are totally different to my personal values at 56. Mm-hmm. So, yes, uh, if I checked in with my values back then, it would have been, yeah, I'm still going to do it. As, as opposed to now, it's like, why would I do that? Mm. Totally different. Mm. And let's just go to your uh, spiritual journey, as you call it, and your growth. Who inspires you in that arena? Where do you get your inspiration, knowledge... Um, I, I'm really not sure. There's no one thing that sort of inspires me to be spiritual apart from the experiences that mm-hmm. I'm that I'm getting at the moment. Uh, where I get my knowledge, uh, I read. Um, it, you guys at the centre are just you know, amazing because you know you're pretty much on tap, which is great. <laughs> um, so chatting with you guys, um, uh, reading and basically going through like doing my meditation, doing my quiet time, grounding, you know, all those things. And you know, if you'd said to me before we'd open this flight center, you know, you need to ground, you know, do some grounding, you know, get out in nature and sort of do these things, you know, meditate and all these things. I would have gone, yeah, you're a hippie. You know, <laughs> this would have been like, what the hell are you talking about? Now that I'm doing them, it's a, it's, it's part of the fabric of my life now. Like it's, it's, so important to get these things done because it then opens again back to the analogy of of opening the float center the doors just start opening mm-hmm. and you start mm-hmm. getting experiences that you never never would have thought would have happened you know mm-hmm. um yeah it's like for an example you know i used to have some bad habits and once i started opening those doors and just or not opening the doors but as soon as i started letting those doors open things just stopped happening and changing and, you know, I really did change as a person uh, fairly quickly both, and that's just that spiritual side, you know, it's not mentally, and I'm mentally trying to do these things, but it just felt I don't need to do that anymore. You know, I don't need to feel like that anymore. Um, Forgiveness, oh my God, forgiveness is a huge thing. Um, If you don't have forgiveness, and I'm not talking about, literally going i forgive you for what you've done uh it's more about you know what um they might not have known what they were doing at that time so they or they might have had something done to them at that time uh way back and this has caused them to do some bits and pieces so it's about going it's about saying it's okay 
you know, I do forgive them, I hope they're okay, and then just leaving it, you know, not carrying it on, you know, because not forgiving will bring in that fear side of, and I, I think I've said revenge and vengeance, mm. yeah, because I had those for many, many years, and now that I've just let them go, uh, totally different. It's 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 so much calmer in your body, so much calmer in your mind. It's just a totally different feel. Forgiveness is big. Mm. Anything else you want to add to that? Is that a prompt? Have I missed something? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. It's um. Look. And love, you know, and when I say love, I'm not talking about, you know, um, you know, man, I love you. It's it's about that compassion and empathy and just seeing the good in people because everybody has good, you know, and if they don't have good, it's because they're in that fear thing. Mm-hmm. And the only way you're going to get them out of that fear thing is to show them there's a whole different side of life and there's this empathy and there's compassion and there's laughter and happiness and all these things that you may be missing out on. And that's where it comes back to don't try and teach them, just show, show them. them yeah. mm-hmm. And I think particularly over the last um, couple of years, there's been so much fear in the community oh. just ge- generally. And so many people have been, are driven and, and uh, focused on fear and negativity. Yeah, It's really destructive. And I, I find it... Um, uh, Really, um, I feel for people that are that, you know it's it's their decision and uh, all the rest of it. Yeah, but um, to be loving and use all the other words you've had, compassion and so on, is critically important to sort of help people get over their fear. Yeah, uh, that's um, been created. It's been twenty four seven in our faces for the last you know mm. three years, mm. and even. It, and when you look back now, like I don't watch the news anywhere near as much mm. because I just find it like it is quite a, it's it's very negative. It's a very fear-driven thing. I mean, if you want to get the information, you can still watch the news, but watch it objectively. Mm. You know, listen to what they're saying and the words that they're using, and sort of, you know, and then, and then assess how that's actually trying to come into your into your your environment. Mm. Um, yeah, it's it's. Then that's been going on for quite some quite some years, I think. And, and these last three years have been pretty crazy with it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just definitely just be yourself. And if you're in that loving, caring, nurturing, empathetic, compassionate you, mm. then you're going to break through eventually. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> Every time I walk through those doors, I get a lovely hug from Tim. Yeah. I get Tell one back. You. Yeah. And, and he really does. I mean, everything that you said today is, is who you are. Mm. Um, and that's one of the things that I find inspiring about you is that you're, as you're learning, you're putting things into practice, mm. and uh, it makes a huge difference yeah. to everyone around you. It's silly just to let it sit on the sidewalk and sit there and go, "Well, I've learned that, but I'm not going to put it into practice." Yeah, it's like cooking. You know, oh, I learned how to make a Bernays sauce, but I'm not going to put it on that steak. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, you, you walk the talk. You do you use that term. And yeah. when you talk about like what incentivizes me, uh, and this is not a blow up of you know our our center or anything like that but when you look at the comments whether it be on TripAdvisor or google or whatever it might be most of them aren't oh the center's beautiful you know the it's just the most amazing art center type thing because it's not it's just us it's just what we've done mm. but what we get a lot is it's a family business the people are beautiful you know oh, they sit down and they talk to you and then you know they really do care about you then and that's just us coming through you know we don't try and do it it's just it is what it is mm. you know? authentically you 100 yeah absolutely yeah um 
before we wrap up, just need to uh, see um, uh, if perhaps, um, Tim, if you could just tell our listeners how they could find out more about the private sea yep. and how to contact you. Uh, yep, so website is uh, www.theprivatesea.com.au mm-hmm. uh, and the private sea is P-R-I-V-A-T-S-E-A. Um, you can give us a call on 59754030. We're on Instagram, all those social media Facebook stuff. And all that sort yep, of thing. all that yeah. sort of stuff. Um, Good. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, thanks very much for that, Tim. We'll just wrap up on a few things um, yeah. now, if you don't mind. Yeah. yeah well, thank you. We'll come back and ask you about your last song. Okay. Okay. Um, okay, we're nearing the end of today's show, that, but before we do, um, and with Tim's second selection of music, we'd just like to touch base on a few things. Um, if you're listening to us live, you already know that you can listen to the show via the Radio Caram app at 4pm on Thursdays, and you can also grab the podcast versions of the show with or without our selected music. Within a day or so, uh, look for Radio Karam Men With Spirit on your favourite podcast platform. Plus, there are separate music playlists for each of our shows, which are available via Spotify. And the easiest way to listen to the show uh, live or afterwards as a podcast is to go to the Radio Karam website and bookmark the page. So it's um, radiocarum.org and then look for shows and then Men With Spirit. Um, Just making the point that all men are welcome at our Men With Spirit gatherings. We are inclusive, uh, but as you'd appreciate, um, available places are limited and we're close to capacity, so it's important to please register in advance to ensure that we have a place for you at any of our uh, meeting venues, which are currently in uh, Frankston, Leongatha and Meenion in Gippsland. The Gippsland groups are facilitated by Brett Whittle. For more details, you can contact on us on Facebook uh, at to Men With Spirit or you can email us at connect at menwithspirit.com.au Steve, any final remarks to wrap up today's show from your point of view? No, I really want to hear um, a little bit more from Tim about his last song and, and what it means to him and um, before we do I just want to say thanks very much, really enjoyed you having being on the show listening to your story, you've been quite an inspiration. Thank yep. you, it's been a pleasure actually, I've really enjoyed it uh, we've so loved having you, and uh, you're off to Vietnam next uh, Friday, I gather, for a few weeks yeah, R&R. Four, uh, four years in the making, we haven't had a holiday for four years, so this is, yeah, we, we're taking three weeks, so sorry Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Good on you. Alright, so um, tell us about your last song, Until I Believe in My Soul by Dexy's Midnight Runners. Yeah, uh, so Dexy's Midnight Runners, um, everyone will probably remember in the 80s, the Come On Eileen song, that mm. was them. Uh, this one... When I was about uh, 15, 14, 15, I read a book by Eric Lustbader called Shogun. It's a massive book, but it was it was one of those books. It was the first big book I read, and I had Dexie's Midnight Runners CD uh, tape <laughs> back then <laughs> and uh, used to listen to it all the time. And this is one of those songs, uh, I believe in my soul. It's just a, a really good melodic song, and uh, yeah, it's just, just a lovely, lovely, lovely song. All right. Great. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. And until next time, be true to yourself.